UMGoBlue.com. By fans, for fans, since 1999. Hello, welcome to this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. And we're here to talk about Michigan's 31-10 victory over Indiana, how they head into the second half of the season, and a little bit of talk about the big game ahead versus Penn State. First things first. Well, Clint, what would you think about Michigan's road game versus the Hoosiers? Well, it, it had a really unique uh, flavor to it. Um, I, I think the main headline for the team was, you know, making sure that uh, Coach Mike Hart ended up uh, in a good place from his health standpoint after uh, collapsing and, and apparently seizing on the, the sideline in the middle of the game early in this one. So to uh, to have that major event, um, you know, something that's uh, literally much, much closer to life and death and then having to try to come back and, oh, by the way, play a football game on the road uh, in, a, in, a, in an environment that's not your own and not, not home uh, was a major challenge. And uh, I think what I was proudest of in this game was that once they had the, once they got to halftime uh, and it was 10-10 and they were able to kind of regroup and get their ducks back in a row, I think Michigan played uh, pretty outstanding in the second half to to basically win the second half 21 to zero, even above and beyond uh, a red zone interception by JJ uh, McCarthy. So um, that interception, you know, could have could have easily you know been 28 to nothing or, or at least 24 to nothing in the second half, and the defense was absolutely lights out. I mean, it was it was plain as day in the fourth quarter when Indiana's quarterback would get a, a shotgun snap and he looked, he looked almost like a, a young high school or, or middle school quarterback, just uh, get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible. Like a hot potato. He was chucking and ducking as, as we used to say. So um, the defense was, was outstanding. Uh, and the, the defensive line putting pressure with a four man rush in a lot of places was outstanding, but, the, the overall sense of kind of gathering the troops, getting everybody back onto the same page and refocused after that uh, strange scene and, and obviously um, distracting event with Mike Hart collapsing was, was the most impressive thing, showing some real mental toughness in the face of adversity on the road, uh, even when it's you know from something so unexpected and not even really football-related. So the other thing about Mike Hart, Mike Hart's collapse, is that he's not only important to Michigan, but he had previously coached at Indiana. So there was concern. I mean, there's always concern when anyone goes down, but you really got a feeling that both teams were really struck by it. And, you know, really there was, you know, everything stopped. And he really means a lot to both teams. So... Um, again, uh, fortunate the statement released by the athletic department after is that he was staying in, uh, staying there at the hospital for observation, but that he was in stable condition. So we wish him the best. And, you know, after you got past 
the concern for, you know, once he got off the field and was on the way to the hospital, you know, what struck me is one of the things you and I talked about is that, you know, the preseason is they had brought Fred Jackson in to help as, you know, another, another coach on the staff. Well, there's a guy who coached running backs, you know, has a lot of experience. So again, he's able to, to step in and help a little bit, but again, uh, you know, it's a game, everybody's having fun. And then you have a situation like this that reminds you that, you know, there are things that are far more important than the game. And, and as you said, it was great that Michigan was able to get their focus back, take care of business. And again, it, it was a, a clinic and, you know, Clint, one of the stats that's been thrown around is that this is the first time that Michigan has started two set, two consecutive seasons, six and zero since 1976 and 1977, right? And I really had a thought watching this game that it was an old-style Big Ten football game, you know? And I remember, you know, growing up in the 70s, watching Michigan football into the 80s, where Michigan was just kind of a, a bow constrictor, right? They would just strangle a team to death, and then you'd be watching the game and and – the score wouldn't be indicative of how close the game was. And, you know, the here we have the last two weeks, Michigan kind of, um, you know, had a, had a good win on the scoreboard, but really it wasn't that close. And, again, it just struck me as an old-style, uh, you know, again, just an old-style domination and, you know, uh, interesting to see, you know, another great game by J.J., and another, um, you know, a great game by Blake, putting himself in the in the Heisman Trophy contention. Um, you know, he had that one great run early in the game, and then just kind of kept chunking and 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 rolling. You know, a few a couple yards here, a couple yards there, but just rolling throughout the whole game. Yeah, I, I think what we saw was was Blake Horn really doing what was necessary. Um, the, the offense was a little bit out of sorts in the first half, again, with, with the mental distraction, but also the, the penalties were like the second, probably the second headline for, for Michigan in this game, especially offensively. Um, I think the, the referees had, had a little bit too much impact on this game in terms of flow. Uh, it eventually evened out a little bit more um, than, it, than it started. It started, it was awfully Michigan-heavy being penalized, but uh, even out a little bit more. But the quality of the calls from, from the officials was kind of questionable, a little bit inconsistent, and uh, and then bad in both directions. So not necessarily favoring one team or the other when it was all said and done, but constant disruption with flags and whistles and discussions was really hard to get a, fee- get a feel for why – Michigan was having trouble um, on both sides of the ball in the first half, uh, but especially on offense, it just it was totally herky jerky um, from from what I could tell. And then in the second half, uh, really beautifully scripted drive that started on Michigan's own two yard line, uh, and then started with a false start and goes back to the one yard line, and then they drive ninety nine yards for uh, a touchdown. So. Um, when they were able to execute what the uh, the game plan called for, 
the the plays were there. And, and my favorite part of that first uh, really long drive was there was a about a 25-yard throw. J.J. McCarthy makes an absolute um, – throws an absolute dime, a uh, frozen rope to the far sideline, his right sideline to Cornelius Johnson, and Cornelius drops it on the sideline. And uh, that challenge of – you know, not making the play when necessary was was really just had me just about grinding my teeth at that moment. And then the next play uh, is Ronnie Bell picking up 14 yards and a big first down to extend the drive. And then at the end of that drive in the red zone, J.J. McCarthy hits Cornelius Johnson again on a little crossing route and throws it accurately enough that Cornelius Johnson is able to stay in stride running full speed and sails pretty much untouched to the pylon and, and turns a eight-yard crossing route, which would have been a good gain, into a 19-yard touchdown. So um, I really love going back to the guy who, who dropped the ball. I love going back to a guy that made the mistake and getting him involved again in the same drive and really thought one of the best throws, two of the best throws that we've seen from J.J. McCarthy in a long time. Um, came on that drive. The one that was dropped was an NFL caliber rocket to the far sideline. And then kind of some nuance on that, that touchdown pass where the accuracy of keeping Cornelius Johnson running full speed is really what turns that from a eight to 10 yard gain into a touchdown. Yep. Absolutely. Really a game where, you know, again, when we're we're talking about it from the statistic standpoint, you know, JJ ended up throwing for over 300 yards. You know, 28 for 36, 304 yards, and it was a a workmanlike 300 yards, right? Like it, he just kept going and going, and like you said, he had some amazing throws. But what struck me is I'm watching the game, and I kept thinking. They were, they were leaving meat on the bone, right? Okay, there were opportunities where J.J. could have kept the ball. There were opportunities where um, they, they had receivers open downfield. And I'm still, I still have the sense that this is an offense that still has some, some more gears to find, right? And part of that was, again, the disruption with, uh, you know, the kind of off-the-field disruption with Mike Hart. But you can see the gears starting to line up. You know, when I'm looking at the stats, you know, first we saw Andrew Anthony get two receptions. It's good to see him working back in. Ronnie Bell just had a monster game, 11 receptions for 121 yards. Luke Schoonmaker, again, just, you know, really dominating at the tight end position. Nine receptions, 67 yards. Cornelius Johnson, four for 58. You know, and... But again, when I'm I'm looking at it, I'm like, you know, easily I think we could have scored another two or three touchdowns. And mm-hmm. that's not a criticism. It's kind of like you have this, you know, this this old style engine that's starting to, you know, get lubricated and started to the pistons are starting to fire. And, you know, we don't talk about we don't talk a lot about other teams. OK, but I sat and watched. Alabama Saturday, I watched Ohio State, and I got to tell you, I don't want any part of them right now, okay? 
right now, at this part of the season, I don't want any part of Ohio State. Ohio State is executing at a high level, but I can see us building to that. And the thing about the schedule is you don't have to be firing on all cylinders through these first six games. Now, you know, jumping a little bit ahead, Penn State's going to be a test, okay? It's the real, it's the first real test of the season. And, um, you know, I, I look at that and I'm excited about it because, you know, here we are at the halfway point. We're 6-0, and and I still don't know how good we are. I see the potential for greatness. I see the potential to be better than last year. You know, again, you, you highlighted how well the defense played against Indiana. You can see the defense just starting to awaken, right? We've, you know, Aiden Hutchinson is gone. David Ajabo is gone. But guys are stepping in, and we are seeing, you know, the defense really look excellent at times. But when I look back at the previous six opponents, there's nobody that gets me really excited. There's no one who's I think, has really tested us the way that I think Penn State might. And, you know, we can't ignore uh, the dumpster fire down in East Lansing. That game is going to be tough. They always play us tough. And if anything, the way that their season has kind of gone into the dumpster, it's going to be, they're going to be even more fierce when we play them. But from a football standpoint, that's not even the test that we expected it to be. So when I look at the first six, first half of the season and the second half of the season, we got Penn State. Then, you know, looming at the end is Ohio State, right? So I'm, I'm really excited to see Michigan dispatch Indiana. Again, another road game. I thought they executed well. And, you know, now it's the appetizers are passed. And, you know, we have a main course showing up on Saturday. Yeah, a couple couple comments that, that came to mind as you were saying that. I would say first, um, the last few weeks have Michigan's schedule uh, is getting a lot of conversation and, and media airtime. And, and I think that there's there's some legitimacy there, for sure. I mean, the three non-conference opponents were all very, very weak, uh, even if they end up being um, better than where they were at the beginning of the season in the final rankings. Um, still three very weak non-conference opponents. Played those first four games uh, in a row at home. Um, Iowa on the road ended up being a noon game instead of a night game. Iowa certainly is not um, the same caliber that they were last year when they made it to the Big Ten title game. Um, So the the questions about the schedule are legitimate, and and I would echo kind of what you're saying is that we don't really know right now what we've got. Um, However, however, the the last few weeks have really provided kind of a – if Penn State's our first real test, then maybe these last few weeks have been like quizzes on specific uh, phases of the game. For example, Iowa's defense is one of the best in the nation. So for your opening road game to be in Iowa City against one of the best defenses in the Big Ten and in the nation and to pass that. And Iowa is, is a tricky opponent because you cannot turn the ball over. And so J.J. McCarthy really had to play within himself and not um, force the, the ball into, into coverage uh, 
Um, because if you can stop Iowa's defense from scoring, then, then you'll probably beat them. Um, Maryland offensively has uh, weapons, you know, that are almost on the same caliber as what we would see uh, at an Ohio State game or, or comparable to Michigan's wide receiver room. So, uh, and Tolia Tungavailoa has certainly been dynamic both last year and this year. He's been really good. So the the test that was passed or the quiz that was passed by the defense in that game against Maryland, I thought was, was really important. Um, so the, the different phases of the game, the different units have come up against uh, significant challenges. I would say uh, two road games in a row these last couple weeks is another sort of a test or, or, or kind of at least a mental challenge um, on your body and preparation routine. Certainly, it, it, you don't have to think too, back too far to uh, to remember conversations that you and I had where we wondered why Michigan was a touchdown or even 10 points worse on the road than they were uh, at home. And, and I think they're finally starting to turn the corner as a program uh, and fight that. So that's a positive. And then the last bit, I would say, is that there have been some, some injury challenges to this point. I think uh, on the offensive line, uh, Keegan being hurt in the early games, Ryan Hayes being hurt in the early games, and then this last game, Trente Jones going down early uh, on, uh, in the Indiana game um, has highlighted the depth. So what we've seen and some of the issues that we've seen are coming um, with guys stepping into roles, and, and there has been a, a functional next man up uh, mentality. And then at receiver, we've been without Roman Wilson the last two games, one of our uh, more explosive playmakers on the outside. And really the, who I would have thought might be the kind of the straw that stirs the drink on offense is Eric All uh, as a passing threat and then also being a key blocker in the run game. Um, we know the tight ends are a huge part of uh, the split zone and, and counter uh, plays that – that Harbaugh tends to favor in the running game. So Eric all has been out, you know, for, for three solid weeks now. And, and we see Luke Schoonmaker um, emerge as a great playmaker and is uh, also taking a step forward in that blocking role. So where there have been question marks still that are open, I think that's fair because of the weakness of the, the schedule, but there have been challenges. There has been some adversity and, and Michigan has really knocked down every question that's come their way. And I, I would agree that this coming game against Penn State is where they'll have to put it together in all three phases to, uh, to continue. Um, you know, they're, they're undefeated, you know, winning streak right now. And I am glad that this game is at home. Certainly uh, Happy Valley is much tougher to play uh, on the road. Um, than, than some of these other road venues that, that we've been to. So uh, I am glad that it's a home game, but I, I like where Michigan sits, especially if they start to bring in some more of those offensive pieces back from injury. Well, Clint, and you mentioned um, Eric All, and you mentioned um, you know our, our injuries at wide receiver, Roman Wilson, but we're also down Cade McNamara. And all three of those guys featured prominently in that victory in Happy Valley last year. 
And again, we don't know the status of Rowan Wilson. Um, Eric all seems to be MIA, um, you know, and I don't know if it's a situation where he's just going to show up on Saturday or if he's out for the season. But when I look at the Penn state game compared to last year, you know, Cade Roman Wilson and Eric all, all being out, you know, and when I say that, I feel bad for them, but we have completely retooled, right? And, you know, you have Ronnie Bell back, you have JJ uh, at the controls at quarterback, and we're pretty deep at wide receiver. So if you had told me a year ago when we were leaving Happy Valley that, hey, you're three stars of the game on offense, and of course we can't forget Hassan Haskins, but if you if you said, hey, three of your big four stars may not be available next year, I would be feeling very uncomfortable. And yet we're so loaded right now that I feel okay. Now, again, I want those guys back. Um, you know, uh, you know, hope that Trente Jones is going to be back on the offensive line. But Michigan has touted themselves as having seven starting offensive linemen. They've rotated guys in and out. That seems to be the case so far. You know, and we also got to mention that, you know, you got Blake Corum who, you know, had that, you know, really nice 50-yard run where he came up just short of a touchdown. But, you know, he ended up with 124 yards. So, again, you really get the sense that this team is rolling. You got Donovan Edwards back. So it's going to be interesting to see because I have felt like the last two or three games, we have been going in with a limited playbook of this is how much we're going to need to do to win. We're going to be at 85% or 90%, and we're not going to rush some of these guys back from injury if we don't have to. I'm expecting Penn State for it to be wide open, okay? And I think that's what I'm really interested in. I want to see this team full throttle because we might not get another opportunity until Ohio State, right? And, you know, when I talk about the schedule, you know, you can only play the games that you have on your schedule, right? And when we looked at this first six-game stretch, I think we, you know, prior to the season, we all expected Iowa to have their ire up after the way Michigan dispatched them in the Big Ten championship game. And again, great defense, but it was like, you know, uh, going into a boxing match against an opponent with one arm, right? Because the offense just wasn't firing. And if you told me prior to the season, the most competitive game would have been Maryland in this six game stretch. I don't know if I would have believed you. Right. And, and again, it's, you play the games that you have and, and then, you know, to project a little bit, we look at the second six game stretch Listen, Michigan State is going to be a bar fight. It always is, but they're not a great team, okay? And again, you got to watch them. They've they've bitten us. They, you know, it it is the quote unquote rivalry game, and nobody knows that more than Jim Harbaugh, both as a player and as a coach, right? But when you look at the next six games, you lead with Penn State, you end with Ohio State, okay? And uh, again, I I'm interested to see. You know, I've watched Penn State play. I don't know how good they are. And, you know, we were looking at the schedules and they're 5-0. and They, you know, they have a bye coming into this game. So you know that they had extra time to prepare. 
you can imagine that they were watching the Indiana game in real time, both coaches and players. And it's really going to be interesting to see how they match up. And again, it's going to be the marquee game of the day. And it's a real test because you have two undefeated teams coming in. They're in the same division and they both want to win that East title. And whoever wins is going to have a significant advantage moving forward toward, toward the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and the, the, the test for the offense is that this may be the only defense that we play that has a similar level of talent to the Michigan offense. So Iowa as a defense is, is very vanilla, plays um, a really soft zone coverage, and does not do a lot of exotic blitzing or, or stunts up front. Really, they, they just stay in their base defense for the most part and refuse to give up any big plays, and they kind of make you execute 10 and 11 play drives, and it's been really, really successful for them. Penn State, their success on defense is much more built on the, uh, the, the high-level talent blue-chip recruits that they've been able to get starting uh, on the outside at cornerback where their best player on defense is, is probably Joey Porter Jr. At, at corner. So this team is going to be able to match up outside with Michigan's talent. So this is a outside of all of the other challenges and tests that we've already kind of mentioned. This one really is squarely on Matt Weiss and Sharon Moore in their game planning because they are going to have to work really hard to find and then exploit some matchup, um, some matchup opportunities where they can find ways to get a talent advantage. Maybe it's uh, Donovan Edwards coming out of the backfield and, and getting matched up on a linebacker like what Joe Moorhead did to us when Saquon Barkley was getting matched up on Mike McRae back in 2017. So this game is going to be a, you know all hands on deck and you're really going to have to execute at a high level because the talent advantage that Michigan has had to this point in the season is not going to be as apparent against this Penn State team. That really, if you look at the recruiting profiles of the programs over the last approximately six or seven years, they are really, really similar. They're, they're almost always within two or three spots of each other in the recruiting ranking. So it's going to be much more about uh, who has a better game plan and who executes better this coming Saturday. So, again, when you look a little ahead on the schedule, Michigan has the advantage of they play Penn State, then they have a bye week before the Spartans. So it's a chance to get healthy. And I think it's another reason why we're going to see everything thrown at Penn State. I think, you know, this is an opportunity, as you said, you match up talent-wise equally. It's one of the reasons why even when Penn State has stumbled in the last few years, they've always looked to their recruiting as, oh, we're, we're getting better. These guys are maturing. And I think we saw that in Happy Valley that Michigan kind of controlled the game and then Penn State came back and it definitely had the feel uh, that Penn State was going to pull that game out, you know, before uh, Eric All and Cade McNamara put together that great, you know, 
pass and catch across the field and and scoring into the pylon. So again, I think that this is not, you know, this is not a Penn State team that is going to be afraid of coming into the big house. Okay, this is not uh, you know, this is a this is a, a traditional power. They have a big stadium. They've played in front of big crowds. And again, they are going to be up to this. And I think that, you know, you can look back the same way that I thought Iowa was going to have a chip on their shoulder after what happened in the Big Ten championship game last year. I think Penn State is going to have a chip on their shoulder because, you know, really that victory that Michigan had over Penn State really propelled them to the, the season they had last year. If if Michigan loses to Penn State, we do not have the glorious season that we ended up with. And I think Penn State knows they could have been the spoiler, woulda, coulda, shoulda. And I think that uh, they want to put together their own season here. And, you know, when I look ahead at the Penn State schedule, you know, after Michigan they have Minnesota, then Ohio State, and then uh, – it's a pretty soft run after that. Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers, Michigan State. So this is really the meat of their season. And again, they had a bye last week before Michigan. Um, you know, Minnesota has been intermittent this season. They've shown some flashes of, of of playing really good football. And then they've, you know, the bottoms dropped out a few times. And then Ohio State. So, you know, these two out of these next three games is really going to dictate Penn State season. And, you know, again, they got a bye coming up, you know, before Michigan, and I don't think they're afraid of Michigan. I don't think that as much as we may be really impressed with Michigan's play, I don't think Michigan has the scary reputation that Ohio State has yet, okay? I think we're getting there, but I think when, you know, if you're a player and you're looking at those two games, you're like, well, we got to beat Michigan, and then, you know, we got to get ready for Ohio State. Um, But I, I don't think that people fear Michigan yet, and you know, if Michigan can come out with a really solid performance on Saturday, which I think they're capable of, and if you kind of let the brakes off of J.J. a little bit, you know, if he can be protected, if he can distribute the ball the way you, know, you mentioned he had some amazing throws against Indiana, again, home game, noon, you know, uh, leather meets toe at noon, the way God intended it, Um all the factors are coming up for Michigan to have a really big game on Saturday. Yeah, and, and the challenge for, for the defense coming up here is, again, the talent disparity is not going to be uh, as much of a factor against the Penn State Nittany Lions. You have a quarterback in Sean Clifford, who's a sixth-year senior, battle-tested, proven that he's mentally and physically tougher than, than maybe anybody else in the Big Ten, that the beating that he took last year, not only in the Michigan game but in other games, and just kept coming back and, and continuing to execute, uh, really, really put him in a positive light in, in, my, in my mind. I, I think Sean Clifford is, is really, really tough, and, and uh, the Nittany Lions are lucky to have him. So to, to be led with that type of experience in a road atmosphere in Ann Arbor um, is, is a solid check mark for Penn State. But the biggest difference with this team compared to the last few years is this Penn State team has some semblance of a running game. They've got a really talented five star uh, running back, Nick Singleton, who w- was the one of the number one recruits in all the country last year. 
Uh, he was playing high school last year, and he is he is a legitimate five star in the same way that um, that we think about Will Johnson on the defense uh, being kind of the, the centerpiece of the recruiting class. Nick Singleton is that for Penn State, and their offensive line this year is executing much much better in comparison to the last few years. Now that's that's a really low bar. Penn State has been really awful on the offensive line in their run game the last few years. So they're getting a little bit of a credit from, you know, for going from awful to maybe okay. Um, and this defensive line for Michigan is, is really the first test, I would say, that those guys are getting. So um, I, I like our advantage there in the trenches um, with what I've seen from Michigan's defensive line and front seven. Um, but if the if the Nittany Lions are able to get Nick Singleton in space against some of those Michigan linebackers that have been a little bit iffy um, to this point, then then we could see some see some trouble for this Michigan defense. So again, it's going to come all the way back to really having a great game plan, making sure that we don't let the Nittany Lions exploit the only personnel advantage I think they have which would be getting those running backs on our linebackers and then um, making sure that you're, you're continuing to put the pressure on not only Sean Clifford, but putting pressure on that offensive line to execute down after down after down, because they've done well to this, to this point this season. But I am still a little, I, I would question how strong the foundation is. Uh, on that Penn State offensive line. So when I look at these teams, and I did go back and watch some film this year and last year, I like their quarterback a lot, okay? But he kind of reminds me of, like, Cade McNamara. Really solid, really tough. And again, I like Cade McNamara, you know, when he's healthy. I really liked what he did with the offense. What... I see on our side is I see JJ coming into his game. And I think the key here first is Roman Wilson going to be back. We don't know that. Um, My guess is, and again, just guessing that, you know, they kept him out of the last game. So he would be ready for this game. There seems to be a little bit of um, synchronicity between JJ and Roman Wilson. I'd love to see him back. Okay. So that's one thing. I really like the way Michigan is using their tight ends. And I, again, I'm hoping, you know, if I had to project this game out, I just don't see Penn State being able to keep up with the Michigan offense as long as we can keep away from mistakes. And when I say mistakes, you know, one of the concerns that I've had as much as, you know, I really like the potential that J.J. has when he runs the ball, um, when he decides to take off, when he scrambles, um, he needs to do better ball control. Okay, that is something that could happen. He, you could have a turnover that way. Um, also, you know, we can't have, you know, a two or three interception game. Okay. So when I see this lining up, I'm like, I see Penn State as a really tough team. I see, I you know, and again, extrapolating from what we've seen in the first five games, I see them as being, you know, the second toughest opponent we're going to see this year. Um, they're not in the same league as Ohio State. 
Okay. Um, I hope that we can be in the same league as Ohio State. I think we're building toward that. But I really see Michigan winning by two or three touchdowns. I, I hope that's the case. And, you know, the other thing that, that's interesting to me is I think this may be a game where if J.J. can open up the passing game, it's going to loosen things up for Blake. So it could be a situation where instead of the run opening up the pass, I kind of see the opposite. I see Michigan stretching the field a little bit. I see, uh, you know, Penn State needing to worry about J.J. scrambling to the right or the left, kind of not only stretching the offense vertically, but stretching it from sideline to sideline and then opening up gaps for Blake just to run, you know, uh, you know, do the Forrest Gump thing, run all the way through the end of the end zone. So I feel really good about this game, and I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see the test of, I think, equitable talent, close talent, but I think the talent on our quarterback position tips the scales, and I think that we have, uh, I think that we have a better coaching and a better uh, game plan. You know, I think that our offense is a little has a little more wrinkles than the Penn State offense does, and I think our defense matches up um, with against their offense. I hope that's what that's what I'm seeing. You know, and definitely, you know, definitely tainted a little bit by my maize and blue glasses. But um, again, I've watched more of Penn State this year than any other opponent, and and I feel good. Yeah, so I. Penn State has played really poorly when they've come to Ann Arbor. Uh, the 2020 season was kind of an outlier uh, in in many ways. But, uh, you know, 0-5 Penn State came in and was able to, to beat that Michigan team. But if you go 2014, right, James Franklin found a way to lose to that last Brady Hoke team uh, in 2014. 2016 was a blowout win for Michigan. 2018, blowout win for Michigan. Um so I like I like Michigan's chances anytime they're playing James Franklin's Penn State team in Ann Arbor. Um, to me, the key is who finds the correct matchup on you know on their offense personnel wise. Uh, I like Donovan Edwards um, as being that matchup problem for Michigan, and I worry about the same style of matchup problem from Penn State with with Nick Singleton on their side. So whoever can figure out how to create that matchup problem for themselves and, uh, and exploit it probably gets out to a good start. And uh, I think whoever can get out to a, a good lead here and, and then maybe establish the running game going forward. Um, that's a huge, huge advantage. And, and I, I, I agree with you that I think Michigan will be able to do it, but they're, they're going to have to earn it. They're going to have to play well in all three phases uh, in, in order to make this another big Michigan victory. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the umgoblue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the umgoblue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for umgoblue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.